0: Welcome to The Retreat, a safe space for open and honest barbing conversations. Today's podcast focuses on being LGBTQ in the NHS and we are joined by Jenny Warmington and Thorne Harrod-Hyde.
1: Hi, I'm Jen Warmington, I'm Senior Pharmacy Technician with the network. I'm pansexual and I've worked in the NHS since 2001.
2: Hello, my name's Fawn Harrod Hyde. I work at the network as the Enrich lead, and Enrich stands for Enabling Research and Care Homes. I've been in the NHS for about seven years now, so six years at the network, but a year previous working on a ward for people with dementia. And I identify as a lesbian and I'm married to a
0: woman. What are both your own experiences of being um, LGBTQ+ in the NHS? Would you like to go, again or
1: would you like me to go? I know I've got different experiences. Yeah, so my experience of being um, LGBTQ plus in the NHS has been positive and it's been negative, really. It was quite negative when I met my wife at work. We both worked in the NHS at the same place. Um, and the reaction to us being in a relationship wasn't very positive. We were outed by colleagues um, that put two and two together before we were ready to tell people about our relationship. And that led to a lot of gossips and a lot of, you know, when we walked into a room, people stopped talking and it was very obvious that the discussions were about us. And it was, it wasn't great for our mental health. um, But it didn't last for that long. Um, Not that it should have happened at all, but it didn't last for that long. by the time we actually got married um there were no there was nothing negative in the workspace um in terms of me and tasha it was all quite positive in fact um people that i work with made my wedding dress and were a massive part of us getting married and a huge part of our support network and um even though i don't work at the same place and I've does tasha They're both, there are a lot of people there that are still a massive part of our support network, even now. So what about you? What about you, Fawn?
2: Um, I think with the way you were talking, Jen, I think probably the difference for me was that I was already sort of out amongst my family and friends when I joined the NHS. I think that made a difference for me. So um, I would have joined the NHS when I was about 23, 24, like that sort of early adulthood type of um age. Um and I think for me I had been in previous jobs where I was unsure whether to tell people, probably not so much because I was particularly concerned about specific people reacting badly, probably more so about my own sort of insecurities and an unsureness about um that lack of confidence around telling people, to be honest with you. So when I joined the NHS and I initially went to work on um an assessment and treatment ward for people with dementia. I thought, right, I'm going to really make the effort here, and I'm going to tell people from the very off because I don't, you know, I don't want to be saying, oh no, I'm not with a partner, and then I have got a partner. I'm going to try and tell people from from the very off. Um, and I think more than anything, I think although it took people by surprise a little bit, um, I was really fortunate because everybody was very positive. Um, so, so yes, yeah, so I think for me being in the NHS and being in a gay relationship has been really positive I suppose uh, even when I joined the CRN sort of one or two years later again even though it's the NHS it's a different part of the NHS it's different people and again you're sort of in those same um having those same thoughts and those same decisions about right I'm gonna have to tell people from the up and for me it's almost that like psyching yourself up to tell people just in because because even when you're sort of 90% sure people are going to be fine there's always that 10% that thinks oh hope nobody I'd hope nobody has a sort of negative reaction and I've never really had sort of an overtly negative reaction but I have had a couple of people where I can see it shocked them and
1: they don't they, know what to say. Yeah, they they've say. been like a little bit
2: lost for words. And then I think, oh, I, I don't like to put other people on the spot because I don't want them to be floundering around and panicking about saying the right thing, which I think mm-hmm. some people still are if they don't have sort of like gay people in their immediate friends and family circle, if that makes sense.
1: And then they go, they, um, when when people feel like that, they kind of almost trip over themselves to show yeah. you how accepting they are. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> in that it's a little bit awkward for them and you don't want them to feel that way you just i i don't know about you form, but when no. i when i tell someone that i'm married to a woman i'm not looking for a reaction no. it's more of a bit of information about me because when somebody tells me if a woman tells them they're married to that if they start talking about their husband or about their yeah. relationships i'm not going to go oh wow wow oh you know, that's amazing, yeah. I love being married to a man, I'm not, good. it's not about that, you're not looking for that reaction, but people yeah. don't, sometimes they, they trip over themselves a bit to try and make you feel comfortable, and in doing so, they make themselves feel uncomfortable.
2: Yeah, yeah, I suppose so, and it's, in some ways, you think, I appreciate you trying to go out of your way <laughs> to make me feel really comfortable, and that's a much better reaction than an yeah. overtly really negative reaction, but I can see how sometimes it's highlighting that difference, isn't it, and yeah. I don't know about you, but I think I did quite a lot of work to show people who I suspect or I know don't have other sort of gay friend, friends and family in their life like my marriage is the same as everybody else's marriage we do very normal things like watch the telly together and go on our holidays and all right there, there are some differences but there's much more similarity than than any other difference that you might find
1: absolutely absolutely I couldn't agree more when I left my uh, where i was working before and came to work for the crm i made a very conscious decision because i i, I was married at uh, by yeah. that point and i was very well established in our relationship and yeah. i made a conscious point to make sure that when i spoke about um my personal life because i do i'm the kind of person that does bring that to work a lot i know i know some people don't feel comfortable with that i do I'm, a, I'm that's that's who I am and I made a very conscious decision that at no point was I ever going to hide that or yeah. make excuses or like try and introduce it it was just go I was I was just going to um introduce ourselves as as an established couple right from the off yeah and it was literally it it was no different than anybody else mm. I was in an office situation and the office that I was in was literally didn't matter it I was it was no different it was not taken any different to anybody else that was married or in a relationship and that was probably the first time that I truly felt accepted in the NHS in my relationship and it was it was really refreshing it was lovely Mm.
2: do you think it made a difference coming into a new workplace when you're married because I think I suppose I'm asking that question because for me it's almost and this shouldn't be the case because people can be in really legitimate relationships that are not married people are in long term whether they're long term or short term it doesn't make your relationship sort of any less valuable but i think for me having that sort of label of being married almost sort of highlights the that similarity to so say like it, this, it validates this is relationship, your relationship. What, what was the word you just used sorry jen it validates your
0: relationship yeah, it validates
2: it like this is a proper relationship the same as everybody else's I feel the same way about my wife that another guy that I might work, might work with might feel about his wife or, you know, but I think there is something in that that makes me feel almost more comfortable to talk about it and more open because I don't I don't really know what that is. Maybe I've not given it enough thought in the past, but I think sort of subconsciously I certainly feel a bit more comfortable since we've been married, say, my wife. that That feels sometimes more legitimate than saying partner or girlfriend, but it shouldn't, but it does.
1: No, definitely. I couldn't agree with you more there. I really do agree with you. However, um, we'll probably get onto this a little bit later on in the podcast. I don't always feel comfortable talking, referring to my wife as my wife in other situations.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: That's when I will. And and that includes in the NHS, me being a patient and speaking to healthcare professionals from my point of view. I don't necessarily feel comfortable Mm. talking about tasha all the time as my wife because i know it's not going i no i don't know that's not a fair thing to say Mm. i don't feel as though it's going to be um accepted or and i feel as though it's going to make that person feel uncomfortable. but from from a, a working in this organization as myself i've never felt so um I, it's not even accepted because it's not about being accepted. When it's about going past feeling accepted and just being business as usual, normal, just like yeah. anyone else. I'm not I'm, I'm sure that you feel the same way, Form, but I'm not after additional validation or anything additional. Mm-hmm. I'm just after the same acceptance that every single other person has. That's mm-hmm. all I'm looking for. Mm-hmm. I don't want people to you know blowing whistles and doing jazz hands every time I walk in and waving a rainbow flag I'm not into uh, that <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't want that I just don't want people to look down on me uh, or, or down on my relationship for, for it being a same-sex relationship because it's yeah all as everybody else and I want to be able to talk about my home life and bring that to work this, because it's part of me the same way that everybody else can
2: yeah I think you Sorry, go on, Lisa. I was just going to ask, you know, listening to both of you there, it sounds a exhausting
0: mm-hmm. just
2: getting yourself to work each day and, and these things that are going through your heads. And I and I was kind of comparing in my mind as you were talking that I don't have that experience. Mm-hmm. I don't wake up and think I need to tell everybody I'm married
0: to a man today or I wonder if they're talking about me and my relationship or Mm. the thought has never crossed my mind in my working life and yet it sounds like this is something that you're conscious of Mm. when you're meeting new people particularly or in a new environment that thought of you're going to have to get to that point at some time and I just wonder what that feels like for you Mm. in new situations where it comes up again yeah so
2: uh, I think for me i'm quite lucky in that i don't now where i am at this point in life where people know you don't have to do all that work to keep telling people and it's that first time you tell people and that reaction because it it is exhausting to go through that and i think you forget how exhausting it is although there are certainly sort of always situations that come up in life where you think oh i've got to tell this new person now on the whole i think especially when you're sort of first identifying yourself and getting comfortable with telling other people, it's on your mind, it's on your mind a lot. It's, you're always thinking, oh, no, like, who do I tell and what should I say? And how how will they react? And I think for me, um, sort of alongside my work here, I do a lot of research work around care homes, as you would expect, working in the enrich Team. Um, and sometimes that will mean uh, liaising with new care home teams or Uh, liaising with sort of families of people who live in care homes I think it's uh, like Jen said that I like to bring myself to work and it is I think if you ask anybody it'd be really unusual not to talk about your partner or to talk about your children or to talk about someone who's really significant to you if you ever try to just not mention them suddenly you'll find yourself like (laughs) it's really difficult not to not to bring up and it feels weird and dishonest not to not to bring your full self to work sometimes like you're not being your true self and you're almost telling lies and deliberately concealing parts of yourself um so yes I think for the most part I don't have to think about that but every now and again when when I know that people might ask because it's a very normal question to ask isn't it are you married who do you live with at home it's mm-hmm. and it's people usually ask those questions in an attempt to get to know you and to build common ground with you mm-hmm. But just every now and again you think oh I hope that this isn't the problem and that as a result you won't think differently of me And in some ways, you want to tell people from the very off so that they, you know, so that it's not a big thing. But there are also other times when I think, oh, well, shall shall I maybe see if they like me, like see if I can get them to like me first? And then if I tell them at a later date and they decide they don't like me, then they're big enough to recognize that in their own mind and sort of Mm -hmm. almost confront themselves and think, oh, I don't know. I don't know if I make any sense there or or not. Mm -hmm
1: yeah you know I, I 100% agree with you there uh-huh. but for me um i very often think to myself is is me being in a same sex relationship if if they don't if somebody if that doesn't fall well with somebody for whatever reason that might be are they going to see me any less of a professional in my role uh-huh. are they going to because my role is about supporting a lot of partnership organizations and and stuff from within those um partnership organizations and that relies on me having really a very good relationships and and building a lot of trust Mm. and I worry and I do consider the fact that when I meet somebody new in their job role and I have an induction with them or have a conversation with them I think is that going to stop them from coming Mm. to me is it going to mean that they see me in any less of a professional light and whether that's my feelings or just the way society has made me feel it's definitely Mm. something that crosses my mind all Mm. the time Mm. And, and it's something that even unconsciously when i meet somebody it literally it's a thought in my mind whether it's a fleeting thought or whether it's um something that i linger on it depends on the conversation that i'm having but it's 100% there all the time
2: Mm. Mm. i think that word
1: unconsciously like
2: sometimes they're unconscious thoughts that you're sort of doing the work in your head as you're going about your daily life and then other times they sort of get really foregrounded and become much more conscious depending on who What the situation is and who you're talking to that that struck me as really interesting then
1: yeah and i don't and i don't want what i don't want to get across what what i don't want people to think in this podcast is that it's all really really hard work being Mm. LGBTQ is hard it's difficult to come to work because 99% of the time more than 99% of the time it's not it's not and especially in the way that i am now and i'm sure that i know from what you said born that you feel the same way and within our organization we're lucky enough to i i i have no experience of that anymore whatsoever Mm -hmm. it's more about um fleeting It's, it's more about my past and how i've come to here and it's more about thoughts that i have going forward about how other people are going to feel because of what I felt in the past and what's happened to me in the past. Mm. The organization that we work for, the, the Clinical Research Network, West Midlands, to my mind is the, and I'm not just saying this because this is our podcast, and this is my genuine experience. It's very accepting. The people that yeah. I work with, are they have, they don't care whether that well, not they don't care, then they're, they're not, they don't have an opinion that I'm married to a woman. It's not, it's just not a thing. Mm Um, Mm and it's but i i'm not sure whether that's i can't i I only know my own experiences and i don't know if that's a normal thing i'm not sure whether it is or whether it isn't but it's a a really nice environment to work in i I know at
0: the start of the podcast jenny um you um identified as pansexual how important are the terms used and why, why they are important to, to you, if that makes sense?
1: Well, it wasn't actually until the last three or four years that I actually realized that I am pansexual. I've always grown up, all the whole of my life. One of my very earliest memories is saying to my mum, I remember we we're on our way to a hospital, uh, doctor's visit and we're driving along in the car. And I remember saying to my mom, I've got to have been probably five or six, somewhere around there saying how do I know that when I get bigger that I want to marry a boy and my mom said to me well you won't know till you get there but but if you want to get married then you can only marry a boy because at mm-hmm. the time that was the case but you can love whoever you want to love sometimes boys love girls sometimes girls love boys and sometimes boys and girls love each other it you'll know when you get older and as long as they treat you well sweetheart it doesn't really matter and Because to me, that was such a a poignant memory to me because from a very early age, from the very beginning, I've never quite understood why why it's limited to men and women rather, because to me, my attraction is not to somebody's physical being, it's to them as a person. And And I always thought that that meant that I was bisexual. Until until I heard the term pansexual and understood a little more about it um, and realised that actually that fits how I feel a lot better. Pansexual means that I am attracted to a person rather than their gender. And it just so happens that my wife is a woman, but had she been a man, there would be no doubt whatsoever that I would be married to a man right now. I'd still be pansexual, but if Tasha was a man, I'd still be married to her. It's irrelevant mm. to me, um, so it's very important. It's ve- it's a huge part of who I am. Um, it's all of it is who I am in essence.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. So are you, um, adverse to people asking you questions about how, how you are and how you feel about certain people, if
1: that makes sense? No, hundred percent not. I don't like it when when I. Um, so when people first realized that I was in a relationship with my wife, with my now wife, I had people say things to me like, Oh, we've been friends for years. Do you fancy me? <laughs> yeah, <You know>, women <laughs> saying that to me, and it literally gave me the ick. i um, it, gave me the ick, it made me feel really gross. You can't win, can you? Because if you say yes, you look, you look like
2: a creep, and if you say no, are they offended?
1: <laughs> yeah, I know, right? No, no, I don't. That's like saying to you know, a straight woman, do you fancy all the men that you know? No, no. So I used to say, I used to make it, I used to give a funny answer and say things like, "No, you're all right, Hen. I only like pretty women," just to <laughs> just to just to be a bit rude and just to you know just to be a bit cheeky, but things like that. I can't stand, I don't like it, I think it's horrible to make assumptions like that, but if you want to know about my sexuality and you don't understand, um, people will say to me things like, oh, so you're married to a woman, Um, so your daughter, how did that come about? And I'm very happy because I've got a daughter that um, I had before I met Tasha, and I'm very happy to, as long as it's asked in the right way and in a respectful way and by the right person, i wouldn't just allow anybody to ask me a question like that because it's very personal but um if the right person asked me that and they have lots of times in the past i'm more than happy to talk to them about that but it you know so kind of kind of yes zoe and kind of no yeah. at the same time i i wouldn't be open to people being rude and asking me questions about my sexuality but i love it when people ask me for the right reasons because they're literally curious and they're looking to educate themselves and to understand better. I think that's that's a great thing to ask. The same way is that if I saw somebody who um, was perhaps, I don't know, perhaps deaf or perhaps had a disability that I didn't understand or like somebody asked me because I have an ileostomy, I have a stoma. And if somebody asked me about that, I love to tell people about that because they're curious about yeah. something that's different about me. And I think there's nothing wrong with that. It's got to be asked in the right way by the right person at the right time.
2: Yeah. Talking actually, Jen, I was thinking about, um, as silly as this might sound, you know, perhaps people, if they've got another faith or if people Mm. are sort of vegan or vegetarian, as long as you're asking politely, oh, why do you do that? I think it's the delivery, isn't it? Like, why should you do that? Like it's the delivery and the intent, as long as people are asking with a genuine sort of curiosity and a desire to want to know and want to understand.
1: Yeah. For me,
2: that's fine.
1: Yeah. And I'm very happy to, to tell people about that. I mean, yeah. most people like talking about themselves, don't they? Oh. So it's, as long as it's that in a positive way, then I'm more than happy to tell people about me and Tasha. And I'm, do you know yeah. what? I'm really proud of our relationship and our family and our home life. And I like to tell people yeah. about it. Yeah,
0: I'm glad you brought up about different religions, Vaughan, because another mm-hmm. one of uh our points was about taboos of being lgbtq plus because obviously in certain religions it's Mm -hmm. against their religion and obviously um like the older generations were brought up in like a certain mindset Mm -hmm. so do you want to explore that a bit further
2: i'm i'm happy to talk about that if that's right with you jen yeah
0: definitely
2: yeah so i suppose for me i know when we've had sort of um preliminary conversations prior to this podcast um I think how do I say this people from different backgrounds and people you know um, who were brought up in different times views of LGBT people relationships etc were different so a lot a lot of my work will involve working with sort of older older adults um, especially if they're sort of like partners of people who live in care homes they might be people in care homes can be any ages but you get a lot of people who are sort of 80 plus in a care home Uh, and I know that I certainly feel a bit more fearful around telling people of our older age and being honest with them but again that that comes from a place of fear from me Um, and it's a difficult one for me because I completely accept that people of a different religion from a different time will have been brought up to genuinely believe that it's not right. And that's a very, um, when you hear something enough times from a really early age, it's really hard to move past that ingrained things. If you believe something is wrong, it's really difficult to move past that. But times do change. And I think the only way that you're going to combat some of those like really deeply held beliefs is by people like myself and Jen just being ourselves. And being honest and open. So, if, like I said earlier, like if I have quite a good relationship with somebody and then suddenly I tell them I'm married to a woman and they don't like me, they're going to have to do a lot of unpicking of, of why it is that they don't like me. And there'll be a lot, a lot of questioning. If they'd assumed they didn't like gay people and here they are faced with me and, and we get on quite well, they'll have to do a lot of unpicking there. But I also think that people sometimes surprise you. So, when I used to work on um, awards, there was a lady who had a very strong Sikh faith and she was also sort of close to retirement age so in her 60s um and I was really fearful about telling her about my relationship with Kay at the time we weren't married then but we were engaged because I, I didn't want her to dislike me and eventually she sort of asked me straight out you've got a boyfriend haven't you and I was saying oh no no and sort of skirting around the issue and she was saying you have you you're with someone like I think she was looking at me as if to say what Yes, you have. Like, what? Why are you scared? Oh, nice yeah. yeah, and I said, Oh, well, I've got, I've got a girlfriend, but I wasn't sure whether to tell you because I, I wasn't sure how you'd react. And she said, Oh, no. Like, and then, so the next time I saw her, and she, she said, Oh, thank, thank you for telling me about you and Kay. And then she sent us a Christmas card at Christmas. And I think, Oh, like, were you ever going to react badly? Was it, was it a fear? Was it a prejudice that I was holding actually and an assumption that I was making? Or perhaps did you hold those assumptions but now you've changed your your mind and your opinion and i don't think i'll ever really know the answer to that question but i don't know I, I don't know it's difficult because you do have to accept that people will have different views to you but at the same time if there are opportunities to sort of challenge them in a nice way i'll take the opportunity
1: <laughs> yeah i've got to agree with you there but um at the end at the end of the day like i was saying before we're not asking we're not looking for over acceptance we're just we're just looking f- for people to just yeah you, you don't have to like something you have to respect something so if doesn't yeah. like that I'm in a relationship with a woman that's fine mm. But I do I do expect you to respect that I'm in a relationship with a woman yeah. and and I don't expect you to treat me any differently because mm. I've given you that information mm. in the same way that I'm not going to treat you any differently, whether I know you're married, divorced, whether you've got children, whether you've got not children. Whether it doesn't matter, it's irrelevant. They're just mm-hmm. parts of you, mm-hmm. and and being a, in a relationship with whoever you're in is just part of us, and that's just the way it is. Our houses are not sparkly. It doesn't mean to say that everybody loves doing housework and that we sit, you know, we love, we both argue over doing the cooking. That's not what it looks like. It's just a normal. It's just a normal everyday household just like any other relationship
0: mm. Mm. um in regards to like work and especially like working at the uh crn what would make you feel like you were bringing your whole self to work every day
1: do you want to go first form yeah
2: i think like jen has been saying just the people just accepting or if they can't accept just just respecting um just respecting that i think what's really nice about our organization is that we do have a mix of different people in terms of age and ethnicity and sexual orientation like you know we we have we have a mix of staff and i think that's really nice it probably makes it easier to be different on points sort of like air quotes around that word different maybe it might feel very different um, or more difficult to bring your full self to work if you know you had a very soft of similar similar workforce but i think just people being willing to to accept and i think when people what was really nice for me coming to the crn and having those fears about Oh, will people accept or not It was just my colleagues saying "Well, oh, how's you and Kay and like when we were planning the wedding how's your wedding planning going just those really normal everyday conversations I think that's where the work's done actually and and there's so much brilliant work that goes on by our CRN, the NHS and other organizations up and down the country doing pride months and workshops and I think there's a real place for those but I think a lot of that acceptance work goes on just in your day-to-day chats with your colleagues and that the normal everyday conversations to be honest with you
1: and, and being encouraged to do things like this podcast yeah as an organization i feel as though we're literally encouraged to bring our whole self to work and yeah. we're, we're made to feel the value of that um you know we're, we're made to feel as though you know it's okay to bring our whole selves to work and we actually bring that in doing so mm-hmm. we bring value to our organization and to our work and to our colleagues and um, for me there's a very much of a feeling of you know we of acceptance from that point of view and that as a workforce we need uh, the the diversity that's in our workforce in order for us to serve our communities and to serve our partnership organizations and our stakeholders it's almost as if we're not just our part of the organization we're an important part of the organization mm-hmm. and i very much feel seen as myself mm-hmm. and i very much feel valued as myself and i think that that is really important yeah mm-hmm.
0: is there anything that you think needs to change i don't think there's
2: so much that's something that needs to change but as myself and jen have been speaking i've been quite aware but in some ways we might hold certain privileges. So for example, we're both white women in an organization which is predominantly white women. Um, I think as well with myself and Jen, as much as I don't like to use this phrase, people wouldn't like to be able to tell that we were gay. Like you wouldn't look at us and Definitely. be obviously gay or you know, however you want to identify yourself. And I think that makes a difference. I think, I think it does make a difference because you have a real choice about What you reveal and when you reveal it and other people may either appear more gay or if you're sort of being discriminated against around the colour of your skin you can't hide that so I think there's a a real privilege so I'm I'm hoping that when people from our organisation listen to this podcast that they too also feel that that, that this is their experiences and that that they feel supported by the organisation um, and like, they have a
1: place in our organisation and we want yeah, them to absolutely.
2: Yeah, Yeah, like, whatever that difference is, you hope that people go, yeah, that's, that's that's my experience too. But I am aware that we've got some privileges that might make it a little bit easier for us to bring our full selves to work in comparison to other people.
1: It's, it's bringing us back to my, one of my favourite um, quotes, which is or one of my favourite theories, which is the salad bowl theory. I talk about it all the time. Um, we've moved away from wanting a melting pot where everybody just kind of merges into the same. Mm. Um, and our workforce is definitely on its way, if not, we're already there. Of being a salad bowl where everybody is different, everybody's colourful, everybody is there for their own reasons and has a chance to shine. And I think that we just need to continue on this journey of kind of workforce discovery and enabling us to be those. You know our our true selves and it's about seeing the value in what we do um for our stakeholders and between ourselves with um using those differences as a massive positivity as a huge positive thing rather than it being just something that we have as an organization mm-hmm. we can use it to our advantage and to everybody's advantage to make the work that we do and our experience our experiences as a workforce much more positive
2: I've mm. never heard that salad
1: bowl analogy Jen and well, I, love, I it. love it I love it I think it's a great analogy and um, do you know what it it also will how help, it helps people identify if you can see yourself mm. being reflected in a workforce then you're more more likely you know like I know that we'll probably come on to this in a minute but can you imagine being you know a researcher that sat behind a desk that is like, I don't know, for example, uh, a white, uh, a straight white male, but you're trying to deliver research that is predominantly to an LGBTQ plus audience, or that's what your participants are going to be. We need to have a workforce that, you know, where the researchers and, and the people that they are serving can, you know, are reflected in each other and they can really relate to each other in order for that um, for them to feel authentic, for that research to take place, for us to address any um, unconscious bias. And in order for us to really bring the research that we're looking to bring, we need to have that reflected throughout our research, our organisation and everything that we do. And the only way to do that is through podcasts like this, through open conversations like this.
0: I know you um, briefly mentioned it at the start of the podcast, Jen, but... Um, How do you feel, like from your own experiences, how LGBTQ plus patients and participants are treated within the NHS and about not taking a
1: judgment on other people's circumstances? So um, I can answer this quite fully, actually, because as well as being um, a member of NHS staff that I have been all my adult working life, I've been unfortunately, um, I'm in and out of hospital quite often and because i have a long-term illness and my experience of being lgbtq plus in that space is is quite it's it's, it's not very nice some of it um it, to the point of that i've felt um as though my my healthcare needs have not been met because of my sexuality i've been in situations where um my wife has been asked to leave the ward because they've realized that she's my wife and not just my sister or my friend. And she's been like sat holding my hand when I'm incredibly ill and she's and she kissed my forehead and, and it set off all merry hell. We were um and she was asked by the patients to leave the ward and oh it was it was a it was a re- very bad experience, but um that those feelings were validated by stuff on the ward to to the patients making the complaint as well um and i'd like to think that it would never happen again mm. but even now things like um telling people that tasha's my next of kin they even things down to when i go into hospital I, I was in recently i was in january and um i'm admitted and they say to me they're filling out the admitting paperwork and they say to me Um, So who do you live with? And I say, I live at home with my wife, Tasha. And they say, okay, so who's your next of kin? And I say, Tasha, and they write it down as partner. And I'm like, no, she's my wife. Hmm. And they're like, okay, so when you leave hospital, will your partner be able to take care of you in the next 24 hours? And they're like, no, no, she's my wife. Yes, she will be able to, but she's my wife. I've said that to you twice. I'm Hmm. thinking this in my head, I'm not saying it to them but I'm thinking in my head and then what's going through my head all simultaneously at the same time is I'm thinking they don't like that I'm saying wife it doesn't sit well with them so they are judging me for having a same-sex marriage they're not validating the fact that I've got a wife because they keep referring to her as my partner Mm -hmm. and then I'm concentrating on that instead of listening to the healthcare questions that are being asked of me because I'm I get like a bit of a feeling in my stomach. I'm thinking, are they gonna care for me well? Are they going to go to the right person? I, my wife, if they, if they need to speak to her or are they going to look to go to someone else because they don't see her as being my next of kin. I've got all this going around in my head and she is carrying on asking me questions and I'm not fully paying any attention to those because I'm stuck on the fact that she's still calling Tasha my partner. Yeah. And that might not be a big difference it might not be a big deal to her but to me it's huge because I understand what that means I I get the unspoken fact that she doesn't like what I'm saying to her therefore she's not using she doesn't feel comfortable using mm. the word wife mm. um and even things that I've also been in situations where I've been for an MRI scan I mean this doesn't happen anymore I have to say but um, this is in the last five years and I have to answer a question that says, um, are you pregnant or are you likely to be pregnant? And I will say, no, I'm not. I'm not pregnant. And they say to me, well, why are you not pregnant? And I'm like, you're yeah, you on contraception. What what is it? And I say, actually, no, um, I am married to a woman. So it'd be a miracle if I was pregnant. And in the past, in the very recent past, I've had to actually sign something to say, that I'm actually sexually inactive, which is
0: Mm.
1: a ridiculous thing for for me to be able to tick a box to say that I'm sexually inactive so I can go ahead and have an MRI scan Mm. when I'm telling them that there's no way that I could be pregnant. Mm. It's a microaggression and it makes me feel awful because it makes me feel as though I'm doing something wrong Mm. in a healthcare setting. Mm. I don't know, Fawn, have you ever had any instances like
2: that? I'm going to say this in touch wood, because I'm quite fortunate that sort of health wise, we've been very lucky, which is that we've not had between myself or Kate. We've not had to spend long periods of time in hospital. What really struck me when you were talking is like you do not need this added pressure and this added worry when you've got very serious health concerns. And I don't want to dwell on something that was upsetting for you, Jen, but just to take you back to the instance where you said Tasha kissed you on the head and all hell broke loose. How ridiculous how ridiculous that somebody just doing like a simple looking after somebody they love has offended people. Why? Like, and it's, this brings you back to this. I just wanted the same as everybody else. And if a husband would have kissed his wife on the head, would you have been offended? No, you would not. So why, why on earth are we having these ridiculous conversations? You know, it's it's ridiculous.
1: The the worst thing about that incident. And, and I did, it was I I did, um, I, I can say this authentically because it absolutely was my experience and it happened to yeah. me. Um, I'm not just picking it out of the air. And it was dealt with mm. by the hospital. It was dealt with um, by, through pals at the hospital. Yeah. But the fact that the member of staff that came in to deal with it validated yeah. the patient mm. and, and they actually moved me. they took like, my why patient. am I being penalised?
0: Ah.
2: I think it goes back to this, isn't it? We, we talked about labels and things earlier um and when there's i'll always say like i'm a gay person and i think part and i'm predominantly only ever gone out with women so you might say all right you're a lesbian then but i think there's real that real negative connotations around the word lesbian but around i don't know there's those old stigmas aren't there around being promiscuous and there's something around it being wrong or being dirty or being unclean we've we've come such a a long way to move away from those old stereotypes but by what you're saying Jen it's those sort of little things that can very easily drag people back into those really horrible feelings and I think people do go through those feelings and certainly for myself as a really sort of young person at 15 and 16 and thinking well I am in love with another woman that's all it is really you've just fell in love with somebody but I feel like what I'm doing is wrong and that's a horrible feeling to live with I feel that loving someone that I love could potentially hurt people around me other people that I care about my friends my family am I lying am I doing something wrong that those thoughts happen for lots of people who don't have sort of straight relationships and then it sounds like even when you sort of grow up and you sort of become more resilient and more confident yourself some of those things that you're talking about those microaggressions can suddenly bring those feelings right back up to the forefront and that's dangerous and you don't want that in your healthcare. like you've you've got thing you've got enough to be worrying about about your life and
1: your well-being and your your health and um, when you're feeling um in a vulnerable state when you're in that vulnerable situation and you're looking to in, for somebody to deal with you to help you as a yeah. medical professional having to deal with the fact on top of that because you put a hundred percent of your trust in that yeah. person they've literally got your health and sometimes your life in their hands mm-hmm. and to know that there's something about you that they find uncomfortable mm-hmm. or that they are not accepting of is absolutely- uncomfortable
2: at, at best in some ways and at worst that you actually think it's wrong or dirty and those sort of words that are quite difficult to say but
1: it's yeah.
0: shameful
1: yeah it's it's an awful feeling it literally it's a terrible feeling and it mean i i've often wondered whether whether my the care that i've had in certain situations mm-hmm. i've wondered whether the care that i've had has been impacted by something you know the fact that they don't like or or that they're questioning the fact that mm-hmm. i'm you know married or or in a relationship or that tasha sat by my bedside because yeah. of the situations that we've been in and mm-hmm. and that's the actual reality yeah. and there are many people from an lgbtq plus background yeah. whose healthcare is very much impacted by yeah. their sexuality yeah. um I, I could see you know this even in
2: schools don't you like they won't teach about sort of safe sex outside straight Do you know like they you know, they only teach certain types of safe sex and teachers for a long time were only allowed to talk about certain types of relationships sort of legally we're only allowed to tell you about certain things at school and I don't know I know I know where the society is changing but I think there's still some catching up to be done about that education that willingness to talk about other forms of relationships which I think is changing but whether that's impacting people's health still and having that knock-on effect I don't know because i almost say yeah. the amount of times I've had that conversation could you be pregnant no are you on any contraception no <laughs> why aren't you on any contraception I'm married to a woman do you want to write it on the notes because then you don't have to ask me next time I come and I've said that yeah. to people I've not even meant it in a funny way I'm not offended it's just I've had this conversation the last 20 times I've turned up at the GP <laughs> practice and you know if, if you're seeing a different gp they don't know but if they just write it down you haven't got asked me again and if i needed contraception i'd come and ask for it i don't need to i know they've got um sort of things that they're audited on and things like boxes, that. boxes yeah but yeah it's those sort of things that if you're already on high alert and on unsure or trying to second guess whether people are comfortable with you as well those things can feel quite triggering i think
1: they absolutely can and the, these are the kind of things that i, I feel as though as an organization that we kind of we see further than mm. you know the rainbow flag I, for an example of that is the fact that we just um we've just looked at our menopause policies to mm. include transgender mm. um people in that and mm. i i love that we that we're looking at that because can you imagine being yeah. a transgender man and yeah. going through the menopause yeah. and being forgotten about and not being seen
2: Yeah, and having to, to try to find a way to talk about it? Thinking, oh no, how on earth are gonna people? How, how are people gonna react? Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. It's, it it must be awful. And that's my, I totally see that. I have the privilege of not, I have that privilege of of being, um, you know, a woman. Yeah you know, not having to worry about that. I'm a cisgender woman, I don't have to worry about that. But I also recognise, and so does this organisation, that it is something, it is something for us to recognise. Mm. But I don't feel as though, as a patient, mm. I'm afforded the same, I'm, I'm not seen in the same way all mm. the time. And it's mm. not by everyone, it's not all the time. It, mm. what I will say is every single time I go into hospital with and and that's 100% across the board. Mm. It's something that I have to worry about. It's something that I have to yeah. think about. And it's something that I have to consider. Do you, think um, it's but, that,
2: do you think it's fair to say that sort of most of the time it's fine, but then when it goes wrong, it sort of then puts you on high alert every every time you need to represent in healthcare services?
1: Yeah, yeah. massively, massively. And I feel as though... When I'm at my most sick, I feel as though very often I have to explain myself because you've got to remember that it's not just it's every single member of staff that's, that's dealing with every single healthcare professional. And if I'm a, in a situation where I need my wife to either speak for me because I'm not capable of doing it because I'm not well, mm-hmm. or if I need her by my bedside or I need her to give consent on all of these situations have happened. Mm-hmm. I need her to be that person that's caring for me or that's giving that consent. It, it's a battle to know whether that's going to happen, whether they're yeah. going to listen to her, whether she's going to be heard as well as myself. Hmm. Yeah, so, and that's it. Um, I think I think it's work in progress, no, it is getting better. Me saying that it it is getting better, it is work in progress, but we still have a way to go.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, before I end the podcast, is there anything else you'd like to bring up, guys?
2: I feel like that's a big question and that there's nothing immediately in my mind, but as soon as we <laughs> stop recording, I'm going to think of something really important.
0: <laughs> um, I'd, I'd like to personally thank you guys for being so open and honest and helping to educate other people who listen to this podcast, so thank you.
2: You're welcome. I think one of the reasons I've wanted to do this podcast is as a younger person, I did it, I'm really fortunate because I've got a lot, I've got a big group of gay friends about my own age and that's been one of the most important things for me that has made this whole journey easier but I didn't know a lot of sort of adults who were 15 years plus older than me that were in gay relationships but just very normal gay relationships I didn't really have any role models that had like that were in marriages probably because marriages weren't legal at the time but Mm -hmm. I don't know so I think for me having opportunities to do podcasts like this My only hope is that perhaps somebody a bit earlier in that journey, whether because they're younger or because perhaps they come out at a later age or whatever, hears podcasts like this and thinks, okay, maybe it's going to be all right for me to come out. Because I know we've talked a lot about the problems and things today and things that can go wrong, but I must admit like 95% of the time, I'm sort of on the, on the other side where I'm always pleasantly surprised by people's reactions, particularly working in this organisation. So thank you. I know Zoe and Lisa, you do a lot of work. I know it's not just you guys and it's across the organisation, but I know you you do spearhead a lot of that work, so thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I echo
1: okay that, Fawn, 100%. And um, for me, if there's anything for people to take away from this, I want people to be able to bring their whole selves to work no matter what. Um, I know that Fawn and I have discussed about how it feels to worry about how other people are going to judge you. But it's still to my mind and my experience is it's more, it's more important for you to be authentic to yourself than it is to worry about other people's reactions and you, you are you, you need to shine as you and you should be able to bring your whole self to work and I encourage people to do that a hundred percent. Absolutely.
0: Thank you thank you for listening to The Retreat. Tune in next time for more insights from your colleagues in the West Midlands. If you have an interesting story that you would like to tell, please get in touch.